When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Cue the somber music. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. Are you starting to feel that something bad is about to happen? The Apostle John goes on to describe how a fierce storm arose on the Sea of Galilee, pouring fear into the hearts of 12 men who were weary after rowing four miles against the wind. Where is Jesus? Suddenly he appears to them, walking on the water. Are you in a storm? Here's what you do. Fear not, get out of the boat, start walking, and keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Are you going through one of life's storms today? God wants you to know that you don't have to go through it alone. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. In just a few moments, Ron takes us to John chapter 6 and one of the most famous miracles of Jesus, the night he walked on water. But as you'll see today, there was much more to the story than meets the eye. Today's message comes your way next. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now let's join Ron for today's Something Good radio message, The Perfect Storm Miracle. October 4th, 2015. Um, uh, that was actually the day, the first day that I preached as the new pastor here at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church, October 4th, 2015. Uh, you may not remember that day, I remember it, but uh, you may remember this, it was also the day that Hurricane Joaquin hit. It was around that kind of weekend, and uh, for that reason, it was kind of an interesting time. The Joneses were on our way uh, from Washington, D.C., where we had lived for almost a decade and served the Lord there, and, and we were coming in from, from different directions. My son was actually in his freshman year in college in Chicago, so he wasn't even here. I was driving in on Saturday. Uh, my wife and my daughter were in, I believe, New Jersey at one of my daughter's softball tournaments on Friday and Saturday, and they were to arrive uh, late Saturday night. Um, so I got up on Saturday morning, and I started you know, down I-95, infamous I-95 out of D.C., uh, kind of came to the Richmond area, went east. It's about an hour and a half from that point into Virginia Beach, and yeah, you pass Williamsburg and Newport News and all those areas, and I, I, I thought it was a little bit strange because I kind of got the feeling I was the only car going east, <laughs> and it was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic coming out of this area because everybody was vacating the area due to the weather forecast. You know, Joaquin was on its way, and it was going to slam into the you know, mid-Atlantic region here. But here I was, you know, coming to pastor this church, driving right into a storm. And then my wife and my daughter, they got here a little bit later that night. And of course, the storm had weakened a little bit, but it was still pretty ferocious. And, and uh, they drove down the eastern shore 
first time they'd ever been that direction. I'd, I'd never been down the eastern shore and certainly had never been on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and Tunnel. Oh my, 23 miles of bridge and tunnel and bridge and tunnel and bridge and tunnel. Even on a bright sunny day, I don't like to drive that thing. I mean, there's some beautiful sights, but I, I get a little, you know, I don't like bridges all that much, and especially ones over water. And, but they were driving down there, and what they realized well, about 10 o'clock at night, I mean, Joaquin was hitting. Uh, they were like the only car on the bridge. They were just driving down the middle of the freeway there, and the water was splashing up over onto the freeway. And by the time they got onto the Virginia Beach side, they realized they were the last car to get into the, you know, bridge and tunnel system because everything had been shut down at that point. But we arrived, and we arrived safely and, you know, did so on the weekend of a big storm. But we're kind of used to these kinds of storms in a coastal region like this. Even before moving to Virginia Beach, we lived in Texas for a number of years, lived in the Houston area, very familiar with tropical storms and hurricanes and and all of that. And we lived in the northern Texas area of Dallas, not far from, you know, Tornado Alley, uh, just over the border into Oklahoma. And every once in a while, one of those twisters would come down and, you know, threaten our area. So we're very familiar with um, severe weather. And sometimes weather storms like that can frighten you a little bit. You know, we, we run to our safe places. We, we, those safe places in our homes or we evacuate areas. Um, kind of reminds me of a story in the Winnie the Pooh series where, where Piglet found himself stranded in a storm. He was isolated or in a flood somewhere, and he says, you know, it's a little anxious to be a very small animal entirely surrounded by water. We can kind of see Piglet saying that, can't we? But can you identify with Piglet? Maybe you find yourself in a storm today uh, with some torrential rain or whatever it might be. I'm not talking about the storms you see on the weather channel. I'm talking about a life storm. Uh, Maybe a storm in your finances or in your family or your marriage or uh, maybe you got a diagnosis this week from somebody uh, in the medical community that has, has, has thrown a stormy, stormy, twisty time into your life. How do you deal with something like that? What do you do in times of storms, in times of challenges, in times of difficulty? How do you walk by faith? Well, the disciples faced a couple of storms out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're record, those stories are recorded for us in the Gospels, and one of those times is found in John chapter 6. Um, not only does John record the story, but Matthew and Mark also record the stories, and it will be important for us to kind of work in and out of those three Gospels. But let me read for us John chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. This is following the lunch miracle that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where Jesus fed 5,000, and it went on that ministry day into the evening, and it says in verse 16, when evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But He said to them, "'It is I. Do not be afraid.'" And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. 
Now, John writes his gospel about 30 to 40 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke write their gospels. They all did it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as we understand how the Scriptures came together. From a human perspective, though, we might understand why John limits the details in his version of the story uh, because he might say, well, Matthew and Mark did a pretty good job of, of uh, giving some other uh, details of the story. And in fact, when we harmonize the three gospel writers that include this particular story, we get a, a broader understanding of what happened in this story. For example, John is the one who says the disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat. Mark is the one who adds the detail that Jesus made them get into the boat. And that word made suggests in the original language that Jesus might have had to raise His voice a little bit and be stern with the disciples. We can understand how the disciples wanted to hang out with Jesus all night long and into the next day because He had just performed this amazing lunch miracle. But Jesus was, was fast-forwarding the faith curriculum, and He made them get into the boat that was to take them uh, to Capernaum uh, via the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Mark is also the one that, that, that tells us that when Jesus put the disciples in the boat and He said goodbye to the people that He fed, that Jesus went to the mountain to pray. And that's an important detail we'll come back to here in a moment. Uh, Matthew is the one that gives the most details, and he adds that part of the story that talks about Peter, who went walking on the water uh, toward Jesus. And... Uh, We'll get to that in a moment, too. Now, this particular miracle is, is one of the most well-known. I mean, everybody's heard about the time Jesus walked on water. Um, it's also one of the most challenged by the skeptics. In fact, the skeptics have gone to great lengths to try to explain away the supernatural in the text. They like to say that, well, you know, Jesus really didn't walk on water. He was walking on the shore. Now, he went up to the mountain, and he kind of made his way along the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee as it comes over toward Capernaum, and, and he was just kind of walking along the shore. And besides that, the, the disciples' boat, it, it was hugging the shoreline the whole time. And so when they looked out and they thought they saw a ghost uh, walking on the water, it was, just, it was just Jesus walking on the shoreline. That's how they try to explain it away. However, when you ask, well, exactly what was Peter sinking into if they were just in shallow water hugging the shoreline there? They don't have an answer for that one. And the truth of the matter is, is there are about four miracles that you'll find in this story, not only Jesus walking on the water, but also Peter, who for at least a moment or two, you know, found himself walking on the water as well uh, before he lost his courage and began to sink. Uh, the Bible also tells us that at a moment when, when, when Jesus stepped onto the scene, the winds ceased immediately. It reminds me of the other time a storm miracle took place, and you've got to keep these two stories separate. It's easy to confuse them. Uh, this one had Jesus uh, up in the mountains praying and walking out on the water to the disciples, but another one that is recorded for us in Matthew 8 and in Mark chapter 4 has Jesus in the boat with the disciples sleeping in the hall when one of these squalls, you know, arose on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples again became frightened, and they woke Jesus up, and He stood up, and He said, peace be still, and immediately uh, the wind ceased, the Bible says. By the way, the Sea of Galilee is known for its unpredictable weather. 
When you get a strong wind uh, from the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee coming down from Mount Hermon, uh, it, it, it can change in a minute. And the disciples, especially Peter, James, and John, were all experienced fishermen. They knew the sea extremely well, daytime, nighttime, early morning hours. They had been out on the Sea of Galilee. They, they came from a professional fishing background. So for them to be frightened, for them to be frightened, this must have been a, a really significant storm. All of that to say, there are two kinds of storms that we'll face in life. And I'm not talking about the kind you see on the Weather Channel. I'm just talking about uh, storms that you and I face. There are storms that correct us and storms that perfect us. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, and today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, sign up for our free monthly resource, Something Good Digital Magazine. You know, each month you'll get sermon videos, audio messages, and Ron's on-air answers to some of life's toughest questions, all delivered right to your inbox. Subscribe today at somethinggoodradio.org. When you go through life's storms, God always has one of two purposes in mind, correction or perfection. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Perfect Storm Miracle. Uh, you understand what I mean, I hope, when I say storms that correct us. Remember a guy named Jonah in the Old Testament? Jonah found himself in the middle of a storm, didn't he? And it was a storm to correct Jonah's uh, direction in life. He was running away from God, and he ran right into a storm. And that storm was meant to correct uh, Jonah's disobedient behavior. Sometimes that's the reason for the storm. And we have to leave room in our theology that maybe the storm we find ourselves in right now is because maybe there's some area of our life that is not rightly related to God, and He's trying to get our attention. Always leave room in your theology for that. It's always fair to ask that question when you find yourself in a storm. Just don't ask it of somebody else. That's what Job's friends did. They tried to play Holy Spirit and say, Job, what sin is in your life because all these terrible things have happened to you? And there was no sin. He was an upright man, righteous before the Lord. But the storms he was facing was for another reason. So ask the question for yourself before the Lord, but, but, but don't, don't try to figure that out for somebody else. Some storms correct us. Uh, other storms are meant to perfect us. Uh, this is a perfect storm in so many different ways because it was designed to perfect and grow and deepen the faith of the disciples. At one point, uh, Jesus looks at Peter and says, oh, you have little faith. And this is part of the ongoing curriculum that Jesus gave to His disciples. One had to do with feeding the 5,000 on the hillside there. Uh, this one now, He made them get into the boat because, you know, school's in session here, and we're going we're to grow your faith. We're going to perfect your faith. Uh, we're going to deepen your faith, uh, grow you from one of little faith to one of much faith. And this storm in life uh, does that to a great extent. So we always have to leave room in our theology for that as well. Uh, that God may be uh, allowing the storm or sending us into the storm 
uh, for one of these two reasons. When that happens, how do we walk by faith in stormy waters? What are some simple but um, very powerful principles that we can take with us? Uh, number one, do not fear. You find yourself in a storm, uh, that's not the time to be afraid. In fact, fear is the enemy of faith. Look at it in verse 20 of John chapter 6. But Jesus said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Again, these guys were experienced fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee well, but they were frightened. They were afraid that this might be the big one, and they may not come out alive of this one. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. How many times have you read in the Bible or uh, heard in the Bible the words, fear not? Many, many times. Or do not be afraid. Uh, even at Christmas time, when the angel of the Lord came to Mary and Joseph and uh, Zechariah and even the shepherds on the hillside, they were startled by the presence of the angels, and they said to me, oh, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Why? Because we're given to fear. We, we default to places of fear and anxiety, and, and that, that kind of fear is always uh, the enemy of our faith. Franklin Roosevelt said, and we're all familiar with it, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And yet what we do in, in challenging times and difficult times and stormy times is we work ourselves up into a froth thinking about the worst case scenario that could possibly happen. Well, let's just explore that a little bit. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? You die and go be with Jesus. Okay, that's not bad. You know, Paul said, you know, I, I, I'm kind of torn between the two to stay here and still struggle through this life or go be with the Lord. And I'm not minimizing the challenges that you're facing, but let's just be realistic about worst-case scenarios. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. And I know this because I, I, I have a fear of heights. I, I don't like bridges a whole lot and especially tall ones. The Chesapeake Bay Bridge on the north side of D.C. and goes into Maryland and on into Delaware, oh my. I mean, I can just feel that my insides just tightening up, and I get that paralyzed feeling, you know? And then I read a story or hear of a story on the news about somebody who went over that bridge and down into the drink. It happened one time. All right? I think of worst-case scenarios. That kind of fearful thinking will always paralyze you. Some of you fear the unknown. And the reason you're not willing to go in a brand new direction that maybe the Lord is leading you is because, oh, I just, I just fear the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. Some of you fear rejection. You've been in a relationship, and you got your heart stomped on, and you've just retreated to a place of loneliness and isolation saying, that will never happen to me again. Some of you fear rejection. You fear the unknown. You, you fear failure. The last time you, you know, stepped out in faith and tried something new was a long time ago because, well, I, I just don't want to fail. And every, every kind of fear that we could talk about paralyzes us in some way and eclipses our faith. Faith and fear cannot coexist. And it's why over and over and over again the Bible says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Jesus comes to the disciples in the middle of the night in the midst of a storm, and He says, do not be afraid. And it's not a suggestion, it's a command because He's trying to strengthen 
their faith. I remember when uh, we read in the New Testament some of Paul's letters and his letters to young Timothy, a protege in the ministry. And Timothy might have been a timid young man. He had probably reasons to shake in his sandals a little bit because he was about to become the lead pastor at uh, the church at Ephesus where Paul had served for three years. It was a great church in a fabulous city. But uh, Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, and he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, Timothy, if you're sitting here shaking in your boots a little bit about this next assignment God is about to give you, that's not of God, that's of the devil. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be full of fear and let that paralyze you. And every time we're paralyzed by fear, it keeps us from moving in a direction that God wants us to go. And so the Bible says over and over again, do not fear. One of my favorite verses to go to when I'm tempted to be a little fearful is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. The Lord says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Thanks so much for being here for Ron's message, The Perfect Storm Miracle. And we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Join us then for something good. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 8.28, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can achieve God's will for our lives without a little help. And today, with your help, Ron will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through our Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll send a few welcome gifts your way, including our monthly special offers, plus a free subscription to Something Good devotional magazine. To join the 828 Club today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love to send you the complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. In this outstanding nine-message series, Dr. Ron Jones takes us through all eight of Christ's miracles as recorded in the Gospel of John. 
Miracles that point to his identity as the long-awaited Messiah. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. But I'm talking about putting into practice truth you probably already know and truth that you need to put into practice right now as you're in the midst of a storm. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he started sinking. And fear that is always lurking around the heart is looking for another opportunity to seize control. And it seized control of Peter for the, in that moment. And he lost courage. And what do you do when you lose courage? <laughs> you, you, you cry out and pray the shortest prayer you're ever going to pray. Lord Jesus, save me. And that's what Peter prayed. And it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Perfect Storm Miracle. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.